Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Scaling New Heights podcast. I'll be speaking today with Mark Wickersham, one of the amazing main stage and breakout presenters from Scaling New Heights 2017, who will be joining us again this coming June for our Tame the Machines conference in 2018. Now, taming the machines means leveraging this extreme automation of bookkeeping and accounting process that has hit the market but it also means transcending the machines and doing more of the kind of work that isn't cyclical and predictable and repeatable. That means client coaching. And when you coach clients effectively, you will increase their wealth. Most of the time, financial, many times infrastructural, cultural, and even the peace of mind of the small business owner. Well, Mark's message is integral to the way you transcend the machines because once you start increasing the client's wealth, you must price accordingly. And Mark is one of the world's leading experts on value pricing. And he is famous for helping accounting firms double their profits in less than 18 months. He's the published author of Effective Pricing for Accountants, an Amazon number one bestseller, one I recommend to any accounting professional. He has a couple of other books too, A Practical Approach to Value Pricing and How to Build a Successful Bookkeeping Business. Let me tell you a little bit about our generous sponsors who brought Mark to you today. Neat Data Liberators. They take paper and they create usable, parsed, that's the technical term for it, information that integrates with your general ledger. Smart Biz Loans is a great source for securing traditional SBA lending, and that's so important in today's world. Then Entryless provides automated accounts payable with strong general ledger integration to multiple solutions. Great tool for anybody that provides outsourced bookkeeping services. I encourage you to learn more about these partners and how they can help you improve your firm and help your clients by going to woodard.com slash podcast. You can learn about all the special offers that each of these partners are offering you as our podcast listeners. Let's get right to that interview now with Mark. So, Mark, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. It's always great to have you here. Can you tell us a little bit about what you covered in your breakout presentation the last time you were with us? Absolutely, yeah. Now, I know that a lot of people in the US and Canada and until perhaps recently have never heard of me because I'm from the UK, which you can tell from the accent. And until about 18 months ago, I, I never stepped foot out of the UK. But I've been teaching accountants in the UK since the year 2000 how to, how to price. And that followed on from... I started my own accounting firm in 1996, made a complete mess of it for the first few years until I discovered value pricing, put in place a system which changed my results overnight, and I've been teaching accountants in the UK since the year 2000 with a huge number of successes. And I think what worked at the, the session this year is, I, because I'm an accountant myself, I come at things from a a practical point of view. I want, when I, when I hear other speakers, I want to know the exact how-tos. What do you do step by step? What do I do first? What do I do second? And that's what I do in, in this session because I want people to get results fast. And so my seven-step formula, which is what I've been, it's a framework, if you like, that I've been teaching for many, many years now. It's seven steps. It's, it's a way of systematically being able to price 
anything with confidence. So I will take people through those seven steps and how they use that to build up the value of what they do, how they communicate the value, how they come up with a price, how they then make that price seem smaller than it really is, which is where the world of, the, the world of price psychology comes in, which, are, which is fascinating stuff. And I know that when I teach that, I get people sitting up in their chairs because it's stuff that as a profession we've never been taught and yet it's so powerful, the stuff that it can do, as well as why we have to move away from the timesheet and time-based billing, which we're going to have to because technology is making it even more important. The, the more that technology automates the compliance work and reduces the amount of time required to do things, it means that we've got to start doing more for clients. We've got to start adding value. But also, as it becomes quick and easy to do things, we have to start pricing based on the value, not pricing based on time. And let me just wrap up with one just quick example to illustrate that. Uh, one of the things that I believe is going to be the core service that, that, a, that CPAs and bookkeepers will offer in the future will be management reporting. Because the more that technology automates the compliance work, we have to start taking things to another level, adding value. And management reporting is a great way of moving from adding up the numbers to interpreting the numbers. It's the first stage of, of adding value and starting to move towards being that consultant that we all want to be. The problem is, if we price management reporting by the hour, well, as you know, Joe, with great software like QBO and with Fathom and with, with Futurely, you can produce amazing management reports in about six seconds. You press a button and there's the report. If we price that based on time, we are just giving it away for free. And yet the value is huge. And I'll be showing people on the session how they make sure they capture that value and price based on that value. But see, I want to come back to that, uh, that, that cost plus versus effectiveness pricing that you just mentioned. And I agree with you completely. We've got to get away from cost plus economics on our pricing models. But what I hear accountants struggle with is if it takes me six seconds to generate a report, it's unethical for me to charge $400, $500 to deliver that report, of course, with consulting services layered on. So is that just because they're so deeply embedded in cost plus, they think it's unethical to charge based on, I guess, effectiveness? I, I agree. I think we are so, we're so mired in the past. Uh, and how can it be unethical if what we are doing is A, valuable, B, we're giving a fixed price right up front, and the client says, yes, I can see the value in that. If you think about it, there are many, many other, many things that we buy as consumers that are value priced, and we have no objection with paying the price. In fact, what happens is, the reality is, the customer doesn't care how long something takes. When I buy uh, an iPod, or an iPad, or an iPhone, I don't care what Apple's internal costs are. I don't care how long it took to make in the factory. I look at the price of an iPhone and look at how much that is in terms of value to me. And if I believe the price is greater than the value, I will buy. The costs don't come into it. But for some reason, as accountants we and bookkeepers, we are kind of obsessed with the numbers and the costs because that's the way that we've done it in the past. And I would actually say, I would actually argue, Joe, that the accountants that are clinging to the timesheet are actually the ones that are arguably unethical. Uh, and let me explain what I mean by that. If I, when I think back to when I was in the profession before I started my accounting firm, when I was a manager in a, in a large firm of accountants, what would typically happen is 
uh, I would have a budget for doing a job. And the job would come into the office, the books and so on, and they'd go off to a junior member of the team to create the, to do the job. And eventually, as a manager, it would come to me to review it and finalise it and then agree a meeting with the client. And what happened almost every single time when that job was came to me to be reviewed, I would request the work in progress report. And almost every time, the, the time on the clock was already greater than what I was ex- we were expecting to be able to bill for that job, which meant that... My mindset back then was, crikey, we're going to make a loss on this job. How can I be really super efficient and get this job out the door as quick as possible? And so I would get the client in for a meeting. I would try to keep the meeting as short as possible because I want to keep the write-offs to a minimum. And you see, that's letting the client down because there's so much more that we can do to add value. When, when we think about our clients and think, and if we start to ask questions like, how could I possibly help this client grow their business? How could I possibly help this client increase their margins? How could I possibly help this client to improve their cash flow, their profits, their tax position, to make their life easier? I know that we are clever people in the profession, and if we spent the time to think about ways to improve in their lives, we could add a huge amount of value. The trouble is, with time-based billing, we are constantly up against the budgets, against the timesheet, and so we try to be efficient, and without realising it, we end up cutting corners, and I believe the customers worse off. Whereas if we focus on value, and if we then realise that the more value that we generate for the client, the more that we get paid, it then becomes in our interest to spend longer to find ways to improve that client's life. And so just because we've hit the budget of compliance work, we can now afford to spend an extra couple of hours just thinking about changing that client's life, knowing that we can then agree a value-based price, and everybody wins. Okay, yeah, and Mark, that that was so eloquently put, the way you summarized that much-needed pivot within the accounting industry. And what came to my mind as you were talking is the distinction between a scarcity economics mindset and an abundance economics mindset. And and I hear accountants all the time say, I want to, I'm tired of my clients considering me as overhead. I'm a necessary cost of doing business like the power bill and the rent. And my response back is, how do you price then? And are you pricing from a cost plus model? Are you then managing your practice in a, in a cost focused model? Do you consider your employees as overhead? Because it all trickles down. If you let the client consider you as overhead, which means a cut cost in accounting is a, is a value add, Right, and it's about the only way they can see the value is savings on my tax return and cutting my accounting costs per year. Then you're gonna, like you said, try to cut back on how much time I engage the client in order to accommodate that and be competitive on price through scarcity. But then I'm also gonna pay my people the bare minimum of what I have to so I can cut those costs so I can provide my client with the only value they perceive that they can get from me, which is savings on me or through me. Right, but you just flipped the whole paradigm on its head and you, you're saying the accountant is a source of wealth generation, not just a source of cost cutting for their own accounting line, but also for the business. And that's a challenge for accountants. Why do you think more of them aren't embracing that when it's such a compelling opportunity? I think that it's, it's because... We're, value pricing is hard. It's hard for so many reasons. It's hard because 
it, it, value, as you know, Joe, is, is subjective. So you can't touch and measure value. And yet, as accountants and bookkeepers, we like to measure things because we understand the numbers. We are the experts in numbers, and, and we like to have precise numbers. With value, you can't put a precise number on that. You can't measure it. So if you can't measure it, how do you price it? Just to make things even harder still is it's a fact of life that no two people place the same value on anything. Uh, mm. Everybody values things completely differently. And so that makes it hard. And then if we then think about the profession itself, if we think about our core services, whether it's a bookkeeping work, uh, annual financial statements, tax returns, that's complicated stuff. We are not selling a widget. We're not selling a product. We're selling a very complex service. Uh, and every single client is different with different needs, with different circumstances. We, we do bookkeeping for some clients that are small clients, with big clients, some with poor record keeping, some with great record keeping, uh, some that have millions of bank accounts that want reconciling, some that have just the one. Every single one is different. And so when you put those three things together, value is subjective. Everyone values things differently. And the scope of the work differs enormously between clients it's hard and, and I think that's partly why as a profession we thought you know what that sounds too hard I'm going to stick to just adding up the time on the timesheet and see, and using that which is it's easy to do uh, I get that but it's commercially crazy because firms that are pricing based on time are getting worse results. Firms that are moving to value pricing are getting significantly better results. And for the reasons we've already talked about, it's fairer on the customer to do that. When we're both in this, we're both trying to do the same thing, add value, improve the value, improve the client's life. So it is hard for all those reasons, which is why uh, we need to have a system. We need to have a structure, a system for value pricing. And, and that, I think, is something that... Um, there's not many people around the world teaching that because once you have a system, once you have a structure for value pricing, you can then start to price with confidence. And I think confidence is a key thing. The, one of the reasons why, as a profession, we are too cheap, and almost every accountant and bookkeeper I speak to is too cheap. Most are working way too hard for too little money, and the root cause is price. And one of the biggest reasons for that is a lack of confidence. And confidence really comes from a learning how to do it, the, the knowledge, and B, having the system that we can then just follow the system. And once we have the system, our confidence improves and we then get much better results. Okay, so you just you just hit on two key barriers. I mean, you hit on a lot of barriers, but I think the two that I've faced the most are the subjective, is the subjective nature of the pricing and the lack of confidence. And as you know, Mark, we work with a, a lot of sole practitioners in our demographic. We have about 55% sole practitioner, 45% multi-practice firms, and only about 10% are full-service CPA firms. So that lack of confidence on the part of the, of the non-chartered accountant, as you guys would call it in the UK, or the non-certified public accountant, as we call it here in the US, um, they, they think, that they belong only in the back office because they've been told in sort of an unspoken caste system of business that bookkeepers belong in the back office. And I'm challenging bookkeepers and I'm challenging non-CPA tax preparers and I'm challenging even information technology consultants, right? And I'll, I'll throw the attorneys in there too, right? All of these professionals that have been billing from sort of a reactionary perspective 
whether it's historical or reacting to a document that comes in the mail for the lawyers or the accountants, however you've been reactionary, however you've been considered a cost line for the business, therefore back office, I'm saying you belong in the boardroom, bookkeepers, EAs, that's called an enrolled agent here in the United States, non-chartered accountants, lawyers, information technology consultants. Why isn't an IT consultant an outsourced CTO? Why isn't a bookkeeper, uh, maybe outsourced CFOs, a little bit of a stretch, I get that, but why aren't they at least um, a financial advisor with a seat in the boardroom advising management? And you hit the nail on the head when you said Fathom and so many of these other products that are doing QVinci and others that are doing a great job out there. We have tools now, bookkeepers and non-CPAs, we have tools for you that you can use to deliver value on a level that you've never been able to deliver before. And you don't have to have an MBA and you don't have to have a degree in finance. You just have to know the numbers, which you already have, maintain them accurately, which you already do, and add a simple interpretation layer. But on that subjective side, Mark, I heard a great quote on a TED talk just yesterday. So it's fresh on my mind. The speaker stood up and said, you will never be paid what you're worth. And she let that just hang in the room for a minute. And then she said it again. You will never be paid what you're worth. You will only be paid what people think you're worth. And how do we as accountants across the board, CPA chartered or not, right? How do we do a better job communicating the value? Okay, great question. And, and you've said a lot of good stuff there. That, um, particularly with the bookkeepers, I, I find that uh, the starting point has to be we have to recognize the, da- the difference that we can make, the value we can bring. And I think bookkeepers have always thought themselves as being not so valuable, which is crazy because they understand the numbers. Uh, just as well uh, as accountants. Perhaps they're not so well trained in the taxes and so on, but certainly with the, the numbers in the set of accounts and so on. And I think the advantage that the advantages the bookkeepers have and the sole practitioners uh, accounting firms have is that they actually have a closer relationship with their clients because they are there regularly doing the bookkeeping month in, month out. Whereas the big CPA firms, I think the problem they have is sometimes they all they do is they do the end of year financial statements once a year. They don't build that relationship. And so there's a big advantage for the smaller the smaller accounting firm, the bookkeepers, because they have that relationship and, and therefore that trust. And as you've got rightly said, there are now more tools than ever before to start adding value. And, and uh, it's one of my key messages, messages as well, that as a profession, because of technology, we've got to now start doing more for clients. We've got to start interpreting the numbers, giving the advice. It's not difficult to do. In fact, in, from a time point of view, it, it's, it's way easier than all the compliance stuff of adding up numbers. It's much simpler to do that. And yet that's where the value is. That's where we differentiate ourselves. And so you ask the question, so how do we do that? How do we get that message out there? Well, the starting point is an internal conversation. We have to recognise that we can do way more. And it may be that the the bookkeeper accountant uh, has to go and and learn some of these techniques and tools and so on. But there's plenty out there. Uh, And then start in our communication, whether it's through our websites, through our emails, our blog posts, is sharing with the world that, that we 
uh, that we do other stuff, that we can add value by sharing tips. Uh, one of the things that I teach at the moment is teaching people how to help clients with their pricing because most businesses haven't got a clue how to price, let alone- That's a very good point. Take your principles and coach pricing strategy to the small business owner. I love that. Yeah, and I think I think that's a space that the accounting professional, the bookkeepers, the accountants can own because who's ever heard of a price consultant? It's a very, very new emerging industry. And, and yet, if you look at the few pricing consultants out there, they have got incredibly successful, profitable businesses. But there aren't many out there. I think it's a space that we should own because price at the end of the day is just a number. And who's the expert with numbers? It's the bookkeeper and the accountant. We understand the, mm -hmm. the language of business. We understand the numbers that make up a profit and loss account. We understand what margins are. And so, and we know that price is just one of the other drivers that makes up profit. And when we start to understand that and communicate that, we can help cli our clients make a big difference to their results uh, with that sort of advice. All right, so that's a fantastic answer. And, and what I'm hearing you say, the undercurrent of all of that is, tie what I'm communicating to the client to the financial increase that's going to result from what I'm doing, the increase in that company's wealth. And we're fond of saying here that wealth can be non-financial. It can be infrastructure. It can be culture. It can be work-life harmonization. Uh, there's a consultant also named Joe, and he saved a, a client's marriage through technology consulting and I could get into that story it's kind of a crazy story but you know how do you put a price point on that right so whether it's the financial the non-financial increases in wealth I'm hearing you say top of line well we haven't mentioned here through the analytics or some specifics right reduce cost therefore increase profit margin watch the overhead line but you're saying focus on the top of the line too and a lot of times that's where we can move the needle the most and Mark, I'm loving your approach because if we will go into that small business talking about how we're going to make their financial position better, then we, we do, as your colleague Ron Baker says, we price as a percentage under the wealth we generate rather than pricing as a percentage over the cost that we incur. And I know you could probably comment on that forever, but we've got just a few more minutes and I wanna talk a little bit about value pricing. Yeah, well, what questions do you ask the client to help you determine what it is they value, to what extent they value that stuff, and therefore the extent to which they are willing to pay, and in the process help you to then come up with a price? Those sort of, the, the types of questions to ask. Most optimal pricing, and optimal pricing is all about how do we find out what is the maximum price any particular customer is willing to pay? Because as I said earlier, everybody values things differently, and what we need to do is price every customer separately. And, and Ron Baker has a great phrase, which is, you have to price the customer, not the service, which is absolutely right. The question is, how do we come up with the maximum price? How do we discover that process? And I want to make it really, really practical. In particular, when I was at Scania Heights last year, I did get quite a few people came to me at the end and asked me questions. And a few of them said, Mark, I love this seven-step formula. I can't figure out how to apply it. And so I asked them, well, what do you do? And I had quite a few people who said they were consultants or they were trainers. Perhaps they taught people uh, QuickBooks Online, for example. So I had a lot of consultants, trainers saying, how do I apply this? Because I was making it very practical for bookkeepers and accountants. And my answer was very simple. 
You just follow the seven-step formula. It's the same formula. It, it, it works for any type of business. Just a very, very short while ago, I had the opportunity to, do, uh, to, to quote for doing a series of six workshops. And uh, I'd just done a workshop for this uh, firm in the UK, and I'd priced it. Uh, I priced it wrong, and there were reasons for it, where I got paid £3,000 for doing the workshop, which was a crazy low price. Uh, and I had a big problem because that then creates, created what's called a reference price or an anchor when they then came back to me and said, we'd like to do six more of these. Uh, and so they were probably thinking six lots of 3000 So because this was a bigger contract, I decided to go through my seven steps and I structured a deal and I, I agreed it just about a month or two ago. I start work with them in the next few weeks and I got it for doing six workshops. I got a fee of roughly $100,000 and I still think it was too cheap. I could have gone higher still. But what I thought I'd do is talk through the process and the words that I use, the language. How did I build up the, how did I build up the value? How did I, uh, how did I break down the, the, that barrier of the existing reference price which is a problem just to get that three thousand pounds that i was i paid i was paid the previous time that creates a reference price that i have to smash that completely it's the same with accountants and bookkeepers say to me mark i want to do what you do i want to start pricing uh, value pricing i also know i have to price higher but my clients are used to paying me what they paid last year. And it's the same issue. Whatever someone paid before creates a reference price in their mind and in your mind. And we have to use uh, psychology and techniques to smash that away so we're starting with a clean sheet of paper. So that when we do come up with a price that's double or three times higher or four times higher, they're not comparing it with what you pay, what they paid before because you've used techniques, you've, you've created new anchors. So I'm going to talk through uh, how I did that, the language. I'll actually show on the screen the, the proposal that I pulled together so that it's really practical so that everybody in the room can think, ah, that's how you do it. That's how you do that. That's the words you use. That's how you communicate the value. And then what I'm going to do is talk about how I came up with the price by giving them different choices, different options, and letting the customer effectively choose the price. And when you use the right process for doing that, very often the customer will choose to pay you much more money than you might have asked. And it's something that will definitely work, uh, not just for the bookkeepers and the accountants, but if there are any, any consultants or trainers as well. And it all ties back to what you said of overcoming that barrier, as we call them this year, uh, facing the Yeti of lack of confidence. I think if you can, if that domino can fall first and you can get the confidence up that I have a system, I have a process, I know how to communicate, I know what to communicate, and then I'm capable with the right set of tools of elevating myself from being back office to boardroom, at least on some incremental level. Bookkeepers, we're not expecting you to be a CFO overnight, right? Just incremental value add. Um, once I get past that barrier, then I tackle the barrier of subjectivity. You talked a lot about that and price that customer, right? Increase the value proposition of what I'm offering by tying it into the wealth that I generate. This has been an amazing conversation, Mark. Where can people go to learn more about your books and other resources you offer? Okay, I think a good starting point is I, I have a completely free video training program, which has a six part uh, five or six part video training which which t tackles the foundations the basics the big myths in the profession the big mistakes that people make and uh, that's part of this free video training and I've just uploaded onto it 
eight brand new videos just today actually, uh, including uh, some of them not pricing related. What the words you say when you're in a, in a sales meeting with a new client? Uh, how do you get referrals? And I talked through five great referral systems. So um, people can have that. It's completely free. It's my gift to people. And I don't know whether you'll share the link or not. Uh, but the other way that people can get in touch with me and probably the easiest way is just connect on LinkedIn. I'm easy to find on LinkedIn. Connect with me and any accounting professional, bookkeeper, accountant that connects with me, I automatically accept that. Uh, if they're not an accountant or a bookkeeper, just let me know that they are, uh, they're listening to this podcast or they're coming to Scale New Heights. I'll accept the connection request. And what I then do is every time I connect on LinkedIn with somebody, I send an automated email, a message through LinkedIn with a link to a number of free resources, including that video training course. So that's the simplest thing. Just connect on LinkedIn. Fantastic. And I do encourage you to connect with Mark on LinkedIn. And also, if you go to water.com slash podcast, we'll include a link there to his LinkedIn profile, as well as to the resources that he's talking about today. Mark, thank you for being with us on today's podcast. Thank you. I can't wait. Well, thank you for tuning in to today's episode. To explore other episodes in this podcast series or to learn more about our annual conference, visit woodard.com. That's W-O-O-D-A-R-D.com. As always, we encourage you to stay tuned, stay connected, never stop learning, and scale new heights.